a story that I think is pretty important, and we'll see how it goes. A um, couple of years ago now, the province of Alberta signed on with um, Ontario and Saskatchewan and New Brunswick on a plan to advance the use of nuclear energy in Canada. At the center of all our SMRs, small modular reactors. Uh, the most recent timeline that I've seen sees them potentially being online in our province sometime, well, well after 2030. Let's say at least 10 years, probably more. Um, a little faster in Ontario, though, the process of approving an SMR is underway in Ontario right now. But uh, that's no guarantee. Let's find out exactly how that works. We're going to chat with M.V. Ramana, who's a professor at the University of British Columbia School of Public Policy and Global Affairs, focuses on nuclear energy. Uh, Ramana, thanks so much for being here. I appreciate your time today. Thank you for inviting me. When we talk about these SMRs, the small modular reactors, give us a, sort of a, a layman's description, if you will. What, what exactly are these? Well, a nuclear reactor is just a very complicated way of boiling water. Uh, and this water is used to drive a turbine to produce electricity. If the uh, amount of electricity that a reactor is capable of producing is less than 300 megawatts, uh, that's just an arbitrary number, but that's said to be a small reactor. A large reactor is typically one that might generate up to about 1,000 megawatts. Uh, the ones that are operating in uh, Ontario, the last ones that were built, are a little over 900 megawatts. So this will be about a third or less of the amount of electricity that can be produced. Gotcha. Okay, so when we hear about can-do reactors, I think if anybody has any passing knowledge of um, nuclear energy in Canada, we, we've heard of can-do reactors. Yes. Those are the larger ones, right? We're not talking right. about that. No, we are not talking about that. Those are typically about 700. They generate about 700 to 900. Gotcha, okay. Uh, Megawatts, yeah. Now, the, the one that's being proposed for Ontario, um, what do we know about that one in particular? How big are we talking about? What does it do? So it's designed to be generating 300 megawatts. It's designed by a company called uh, General Electric and Hitachi. They have combined together. Uh, and it's based on a, an older, larger size reactor. Uh, called It's a boiling water reactor, which means somewhat different from a can-do. Uh, in that it requires the use of enriched uranium. Uh, Canada is not enriched uranium. The uh, uranium has to be enriched in a centrifuge, as is done in the United States. As we may, people may have heard about the Iran uh, uh, building these centrifuges. So it requires the use of uh, the, the particular reactor that is being proposed for Ontario, uh, the BWRX-300, requires enriched uranium. Uh, and is somewhat different from CANDO reactors. So we have in Canada, there's been no experience of building a reactor like this. Um, the approval process. We, we haven't done an approval process for a reactor in Canada in some time. When was the last time we went through this? Uh, we went through it in the early 1990s. Uh, and since then, we have not really gone through any. Uh, and that's because there's been no plan to construct one for a long time. Gotcha. Okay. Now, what's the process like? What are they looking at? What questions will they be trying to answer? Yeah, so what, when you think about a nuclear reactor design, it's basically at this point a paper design. Uh, there's been none that's been constructed so far anywhere in the world. And a good regulator uh, should be asking questions about how safe this reactor is. So in principle, they would be asking questions like, what will this design do? 
if there is an earthquake in that region, if there's a fire, if there are floods, if an operator uh, at the plant makes a mistake and presses the wrong button. All these things, the regulator is supposed to make sure that the reactor will not suffer an accident and uh, disperse radioactive materials uh, around, the, uh, around the facility. And so these are going to be a lot of hard questions, and we don't know what the answer is going to be. Right, exactly. And, and that remains to be seen. We do know the goal, Ontario talking about 2028. That's their hope. This is the first step of the process to see that reactor online. What do you anticipate in terms of this process and the timeline? Yeah. So based on the history of nuclear power so far, we can expect uh, two things to happen. One is uh, the pro- when the regulator starts asking these questions, uh, it's quite likely that the uh, nuclear reactor designer will have to change the design. They will find that they will have to ad- adapt the design, uh, make uh, uh, new, bring in new features, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And that typically tends to take a longer time than people anticipate. And the second thing that's almost guaranteed to happen is that the projected costs will go up even before construction starts. And then, of course, once the construction starts, the costs are going to go up even more. And that's historically, have we seen this kind of work being done with these kinds of reactors? Has it happened anywhere else on Earth where we can take a look at it? Yeah, this this happens everywhere. uh, But specifically, this particular company, GE Hitachi, uh, did uh, introduce a, a new design in the United States called the ESBWR, the Economically Simplified Boiling Water Reactor. And the design that is being proposed for Ontario is just a scaled-down version of that. That ESBWR design was a 1,500-megawatt reactor, so much larger than this. And they submitted that design to the U.S. regulator, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, in 2005. And the design was... Uh, revised about nine times, and it was only revision number 10 that got approved, and that uh, approval came in 2014. And when the revision came out and the design was certified, uh, there was absolutely no utility in the country that was interested in building one of these, or anywhere in the world. Uh, And so it's been a design that's been approved by the U.S. nuclear regulator, but never constructed because there's no interest in building one of those. Interesting. Okay. Um, a couple of questions from listeners. Uh, how, what size of a community, how much power are we talking about when we're, we're talking about generating 300 megawatts? How big is that in terms of what it would do in terms of power generation in Ontario? Um, so Ontario already has, um, you know, about 18 large reactors, uh, and those generate roughly about um, 60% of the uh, province's power. So this is going to be a really small addition to the uh, province's power generation capacity. Okay. It's, not, it's not a big uh, contribution at all. Is it more important then in terms of it's the start of this process that we know a number of provinces, a number of governments are looking at and something that a lot of people say has to be part of this conversation? I mean, we know it's going to be a process. There's going to be some work to be done. But is it important in just that we're getting started on this? Um, it depends on uh, important for who. So for the companies that are uh, trying to uh, design nuclear reactors and sell them and make money of them, it's very important. And the reason is that 
globally, the share of uh, electricity that nuclear power supplies has been continuously declining since the mid 1990s. Mm-hmm. Uh, it used to be about 17.5 percent, and it's now under 10 percent. And all projections. Uh, expect that this is only de- going to decline further. So for them, and at the same time, the cost of uh, its main competitors, which are solar and wind energy, renewable source of energy, have been declining very fast. And so nuclear power is looks like it's going to go away into the sunset. And so for them, if they don't construct any in this next uh, decade or so, they would become increasingly irrelevant. Um. With this process that started, and we know, like you say, there's going to be bumps in the road, costs are going to go up, there's going to be delays, all these sorts of things. Is that just the first one? Like, once we have, does this build a framework? So when Alberta and Saskatchewan and New Brunswick want to take this step, we have some sort of uh, um, user manual, for lack of a better term, to go through? Does this sort of set a framework going forward in Canada? It does set a framework, but it doesn't prevent the fact that uh, uh, Saskatchewan and Alberta and so on are also going to see cost increases. Yes. Uh, that, again, is something which has historically been true. Uh, succeeding nuclear power plants typically have cost more to build than earlier ones. Oh, really? Why is that? So the way to think about it is that as we get more experience with reactors, you discover more and more ways in which they can have accidents. Uh, and other kinds of problems can arise. And so if you're going to try to fix those things, those, those uh, fixes end up costing more money for to build these reactors. Uh, so, for example, after seeing the accident at Fukushima, mm-hmm. uh, the regulators around the world know that they need to insist that uh, nuclear power plants should have alternate supplies of electricity. Uh, Surprising as as it might seem, a nuclear power plant requires external electricity in order to keep it safe. The moment the entire grid shuts down for one reason or the other, in the case of Fukushima, it was the the earthquake. And in uh, more recently, we've been hearing stories about the Zaporizhia nuclear plant in uh, Ukraine, where the shelling and the external electricity lines have been failing repeatedly, once it happens, there have, to, there, there have to be some other source of power that is cooling the reactor. And these are typically diesel generators. And so if you want to add diesel generators, if you want to make them uh, safe against possible earthquakes and so on and so forth, all of them is going to cost money. And so that's one reason why you can imagine that costs of nuclear power uh, keep increasing. Yeah, exactly. Coming up with all the different contingencies that you have to plan for. Uh, Romano, thank you so much for your insight. I really appreciate you being here today. Thank you very much, and have a good morning. You too. That is M.V. Ramana, who is a professor at the University of British Columbia School of Public Policy and Global Affairs, focusing on uh, nuclear energy. And as I said... uh, Alberta part of the group of four, I guess, if you want to call it that. You've got Ontario, which is out in front here. And like I say, they've started the approval process and they're shooting for 2028. That's when they would like to see this SMR online generating power in the province of Ontario. Saskatchewan, Alberta, looking a little farther down the road, um, maybe as much as 10 years down the road past that, um, like somewhere in the 2030s.
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.